Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Catholic voice in America. Why? Because I talk about the things that nobody else is talking about, the things that matter to you, like why the world isn't working right now. I also tackle unspeakable topics that you may secretly struggle with but won't admit. Today is one of those topics. I'm really excited for the show. We have two priests on the show from two different traditions uh, within the church. And I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I am also a broken Catholic and former atheist. And I was almost murdered twice, but God spared my life because he has a higher purpose for my life. And hopefully I'm living that now. This show was created for you the person who wants to be accepted, who wants to be loved, and who wants to be reminded that God has a purpose, a higher purpose for your life too. If this is your first time joining us, thank you for being here. And if you're one of the thousands of listeners in over 30 countries who listen to the show every single week, I just wanna acknowledge you. I wanna say thank you for being here every single week. This show does not happen without you. Today, our featured guest, we have two. We have two priests on the show. This is the first time we're breaking records here. First, we have Father Stavros. Father Stavros, I am not going to attempt your last name because it is longer than your first name. So we have Father Stavros. He is a Greek uh, uh, priest, and he is the pastor of St. John the Baptist Greek Orthodox Church here in Tampa, Florida. And let me just tell you one little thing about him. He's also a published author. So he's written two books. One is called Let All Creation Rejoice, and the other, The Road Back to Christ. So we're going to speak with uh, Father Stavros today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. Next up, we have my own pastor, Father Len Plazowski. I hope I didn't chop that, Father. I should know this by now. Too bad. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. And Father Len is the pastor of Christ the King Catholic Church here in Tampa, Florida. He is also a major hockey fan. Like he preaches hockey from the pulpit, I think almost as often as he preaches other stuff. Uh, he's a native of San Antonio, Florida and a, a graduate of Jesuit high school um, and both the Florida seminaries. And he loves being a priest. They both do. And here's what's cool, guys. They're friends, right? They've been friends for years, even though one uh, is from the, uh, the Eastern Orthodox Church and the other is from the Catholic tradition. And yet, that's what we're going to talk about today. But Father, Stavros is also, Father Stavros is also a Tampa Lightning fan. And we oh, all look at that. Seminoles. Yeah, we both there love the go. Seminoles, too. And the Seminoles. Um, all right, fantastic. So before we get into the show, I always start the same way. Um, take a minute, Father Stavros, we'll start with you. Uh, take a minute, share something personal that very few people uh, in your business life, the church life, know about you. Hmm. Um, well, <clears throat> I, uh, I grew up on the West Coast, lots of people know that, and uh, I directed summer camp during the month of July, and uh, I'm the first Greek Orthodox priest to have to be married to a Japanese wife uh, who is a, a convert to Orthodoxy, and uh, of course our priests are allowed to marry, but I'm the first one to go outside of uh, our, our culture and go into the Asian culture to have... Uh, my, we call our wives presbyteras. Uh, so first Greek Orthodox priest with an Asian presbytera. And uh, I love it. You're breaking down all the walls. It's fantastic. <laughs> all right, Father Len, uh, something personal about you that very few people in your business or church life know about you. I don't know, because I'm kind of an open book. Uh, <laughs> so um, there's something. I, well, I, I grew up in the small town of San Antonio, Florida, a very uh, tight-knit community. I, unless I'm out of town, I 
go home every uh, every Monday, uh, spend time with my mom, and uh, you know so many cousins and family members that are there, and and uh, that kind of uh, community helped to shape me and who I am. So that's fantastic. Thank you for that. All right, so let's get right into it. Father Len, why do you think the world isn't working right now? I think the world, the things aren't working the world is, is when we've lost sight of God and we make priorities, you know, other than God uh, and sometimes contrary to God. And I think that that manifests itself in different ways, manifests itself in obviously a focus on materialism, a focus on uh, money, a focus on self, a focus on uh, vengeance and uh, all sorts of things. So I think uh, to me, that's why the world's not working. So just to clarify what I'm hearing you say is when we remove God out of the world, we also remove love out of the world. And then we're left with this empty vacuum of just hatred, divisiveness, darkness, all of that. Is that correct? Correct. Got it. All right, Father Stavros, you're up. Why do you think the world's not working right now? Well, if God is love, then wherever God is, there has to be love, communion, community, unity, and all these things and, and cooperation. And I think that the primary emotion in the world today is anger. And so where there's anger, there isn't cooperation. And if there's no cooperation, there's no community, no unity, no, and no love and no God. And so I think that um, we have to get hold of, um, on a base level, just being more cooperative. Um, obviously, godliness comes first, but at a very base level, even for those who don't know God, just having a sense of cooperation as opposed to anger and, and self-centeredness. Mm. That's what's wrong with the world. You know, Father, I, like I, I definitely hear like there's a collective anger out there, right? Sometimes we group together and point at or blame one area, one group. Why do you think we're so angry individually? What do you think is going on there? Um, I think there isn't a sense of patience. Like when you look at, um, and I like that Father Len brought the word love in first, but when you look at like 1 Corinthians and we talk about love is patient, love is kind, love rejoices in the right, not in the wrong. Um, and so I think that we, we are in the society of instant gratification. We want, you know, we're addicted to our phones and we're sitting at a traffic light. We're, we get the phone out. We can't sit 30 seconds in a traffic light in silence. We just, and so we have no patience. And so there's no, because there's no patience, that chips away at love. Um, mm. Because there's a sense of self-centeredness there isn't the kindness we need. So that chips away at love. And then we sort of rejoice in the wrong. We kind of go just the opposite way. We, we love to spread negative gossip instead of good news. You can't sell newspapers if they don't have negative headlines. So instead of rejoicing in the right, we tend to like rejoice in the wrong. And so, you know, we lose sight of these basic things that St. Paul tells us comprise love and God is love. And so we're losing the sight of God. And I would add to that, I think, the part of this is, you know, uh, I think, you know, sometimes we're victims of our own technology on a, on a level as Father Stavros was alluding to. Um, and obviously there's many awesome things that uh, technology has brought, you know, and, med and medicine and science and so forth, communications. But, you know, but think for a moment, I'm old enough to remember that, uh, you know, when I was a kid, that when you went to get gas, you pulled up to the gas station and uh, a man came out, uh, rolled down the window. You had this, at least my parents had a conversation with them. You know, he put the gas in the car. He 
uh, you know, wash the windshield. There was some dialogue that went on there, even a basic level, but it was connected, even though you needed gas for your car, there was, it was connected to a person. Mm. Obviously that went to self-service, but initially self-service was you go pay inside and you still had some communication with someone. And then now most of us, we get gas. We never talk to anyone unless you live in New Jersey, you know, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that you, you know, you swipe your card, you never have to talk to anyone. Uh, and even that, so even though I was filming up last night and a lot of gas stations, they now have, you know, entertainment for you, TVs, things they're playing, little videos, music there. So God forbid you talk to someone who's also pumping their gas. So there's this kind of whole focus on, uh, uh, it's a, it's a anti-community focus that I think some technology has has happened to us. It's great irony that social media isn't very social, you know, even though that's exactly it yeah, isolates us and cuts us off and puts us in our own little world as opposed to being connected with others. And if you've never talked to the person who works in, let's say, the gas station, well, then you can come with all sorts of, of uh, false uh, understanding of who they is, whether that kind of person or those kind of people and so forth, stereotypes that are there. That's just one small example where I think that you know, as technology, which is a good thing, tends to isolate us. And that's not what God, uh, what God wants. I mean, we think about, you know, what happens, you know, Adam and Eve, Eve cut themselves off from God. They isolate themselves from God. And so we see this, you know, it's kind of unintended consequences, but, you know, leave it to us as human beings to take something good and, you know, mess it up. I get that. Yeah, I get that. Let me move forward on the, the topic here. Can I real quick, Joe? Of course. You know, one of the things I was thinking about the technology, I grew up in the age, you know, of course, before the internet and emails. And so when people had problems with people, they'd have to like call them up. They'd have to go see them face to face. They'd have to be really careful. Like, what am I going to say face to face? But now I'm just kind of typing to a computer screen. It's really easy for me to, you know, say something rude to the person, but because I'm not seeing the person, I'm just seeing the computer screen and it, it's taken out our ability to solve problems. Um, in I agree completely with that. You know, from what I'm hearing you both say, uh, it seems like our relationships, and I can speak firsthand my own relationships, they've become more transactional uh, type of uh, relationships rather than communal, right? And, and I think you both summed it up very well. Let's, let's talk about that, right? Because when we become this isolated um, type of uh, individual, um, as a friend calls it, we, we navel gaze when we're looking at our own navel constantly throughout our, our life, throughout our day, instead of looking at others and what's going on in their life and what's their story, I think it creates the sense of divisiveness, right? And that leads me to my next question. There are more than 30,000 different Christian religions, Christian traditions uh, in the world today. Why do you think that the Christian world, the church that God founded, that Jesus founded, why is it so divided right now? Well, I think the basic answer is sin, right? You know, uh, that, you know, Christ obviously didn't say, you know, you know, let's have 30,000 different, uh, you know, versions of Christianity. And, you know, that oneness that we see in apostolic times through human, you know, uh, weakness, you know, uh, people went in different corners and couldn't come out of those things. So I think there's, there's always, you know, there's, there is diversity within the church, but the vision is not what Christ intends. I mean, clearly he says in the Gospel of John, you know, that you all want to be one as I am with my Father. So I think that 
and that's manifested itself in different ways over the centuries and then breaks from breaks from breaks and so forth and that's uh you know what we see in families happens in the family of the church got it father stavros what do you want what shows up <clears throat> i also think that um instead of people centering um their life under god putting god first it's like the other way like i'm gonna have my life and let me see where where i can fit god in and mm. so i think a lot of people put god in a compartment and they say well if i'm gonna if i'm gonna put god in a compartment like I put my favorite TV show or my favorite sports team. Well, then I'm going to shop around and I'm going to find, I'm going to shop around. Like I shop around for a sports team or my favorite restaurant. I'm going to shop around for my favorite expression of God. And I'm going to find an expression I like, and I'm going to go with that as opposed to, you know, this is who God is. This is what God expects. And I'm going to put my life under him. I'm going to go put him under my life. I had a I hear that. So let me just jump in. So just to clarify, Father, what I'm hearing you say is like we're looking for God to serve us rather than for us to serve God. It's like where can I I go to this uh, tradition that serves me, that serves my lifestyle, that fits into my lifestyle rather than my my lifestyle fit into my faith. Well, it's like if you have it's like if you have the the church it's like kind of a box and you say like this is this is what it means to be a Christian, and then you have people who say like well can we take that wall out and let's, I want to draw it here, you know, and I want to erase this wall. And I want to put another one here. And every time you have a church and someone says, well, I don't like this, let's change this. And, and now instead of having the box that we started with, we have this, you know, sort of like an amoeba shape that just kind of is, is take shape with whatever, however the wind's blowing. So every time we omit one of those lines, we, we create a, another divisive, uh, you know, another fragment, right? Uh, times 30,000. And that's what we have today. Father, you know, what uh, I, I, one of my parishioners said that not too long ago, he was uh, uh, talking to someone from work and, you know, and, and this person used to be a Catholic. And uh, so he said, uh, he said to him, oh, you should try my church. I won't say the name, but he said, says, you can believe whatever you want. And uh, the, uh, the, the parishioner said to us, I don't want to believe whatever I want. I want to believe the truth. You know, and I think that's something that part of it, too, is I think is there's a loss of, especially in uh, contemporary times, a belief that there is truth. The truth is, you know, uh, it's not something that everyone makes up for themselves. I get that. So like my own personal experience, I, and I'll share this with both of you and let's see what shows up for you. Like as a, I'm on the other end, right? I'm a parishioner, I'm laity. And uh, some of my uh, Catholic uh, friends um, who are no, long, no longer choose to practice Catholicism, they uh, call themselves uh, recovering Catholics, ha ha ha, right? And they love to joke around about that. And they've gone to these other non-denominational churches and they've invited me, come see what it's like, Joseph. It's fantastic. You're going to love it here. Everyone is just so welcoming and loving and so I showed up, right? I didn't replace my Sunday, you know, Catholic obligation, but I showed up to their churches um, just to experience it. And the one thing they definitely had going was fellowship. Like there was just, they really addressed the humanity that we're all craving. And, and Father uh, Len, like you, you spoke very well about that at the gas station, right? We don't have these human connections uh, as much as we used to in our lives. So now we're looking to fill that void in, in church. And, and we're, it's almost like church Sunday is like that one time where I'm going to get all those connections met. And instead of showing up to worship my creator, I'm showing up really to worship me. 
right? With, with all these human feelings and, and there's nothing wrong with fellowship, but it's like the, the intention is, is distorted somehow. What shows up for both of you in that? Father Stavros. I mean, the purpose of the church is to worship God in community. I mean, we don't, we don't worship God alone. That's why we belong to a church. I don't just go out on a mountaintop and sit there and say, I'm going to commune with the creator in my own way. Um, there is supposed to be a, a social aspect to, to the church community. I mean, you're there with other people. St. Paul writes about bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ. So we go to church to, to commune with our creator, to learn more about the law of Christ that we're supposed to be following. And then in the context of community, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. I mean, we're supposed to, there's supposed to be a social connection there. We're supposed to pray for one another, visit one another when we're sick, pick up each other when we're down, encourage each other. Um, it's not just, you know, I go hang out with my friends, but I hang out with my friends with a divine purpose. And, and I would add to that, both Father Stavros and I, as a Catholic priest and a Greek Orthodox priest, we also say, you know, the human heart does long for uh, communion with one another and with God. And in both our traditions, we believe that the central act of worship is in the celebration of the Eucharist and that we come forward to receive God himself. Uh, we have communion with God. What we're longing for is found in God. And so it's great to have these other things, but to say, okay, I have these nice people who are friendly and I can, you know, uh, go play golf with or tennis with, that's great. But if you're saying, but, but, you're, but if you cut out the equation of, but I don't have communion with God, yes, I read his word, yes, I sing some hymns, those are all good things, not bad things, but you're not receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Why, why, are you, why are you depriving yourself of that? And I think that, again, I think, and I'm sure it happens, happens in the Catholic Church, I'm sure it happens in the Orthodox Church, you know, some people don't realize who they are receiving or why they are there for the celebration of the, of the sacred liturgy. But here we are uh, in this communion with God. What more could we want? Mm. You know, it's, it's, you spoke, uh, Father Len, about how you're not sure how many people really get that that it is the true presence of our creator that we're going up to receive each Sunday in both these, uh, you know, in the Catholic tradition and the Orthodox tradition. So there's a clear disconnect. There's clearly something that's not working. That's not being communicated uh, to the, the people in the pews and they're going to fill the void elsewhere. And I see it, you know, from my perspective, I see so many friends that are just leaving these traditional churches, uh, the church that was founded by Christ. And they're going for these experiential type of services where they wave their hands in the air and, and they're worshiping God. But it's more the feeling that they're getting from it rather than showing up and, and doing the obligatory, you know, kneeling in the prayers, the, the scripted prayers and everything that they were raised in. And there's some kind of breakaway there. Um, that's not being uh, communicated for them and they're leaving in droves. And, and this show is specifically is about, um, you know, the commonalities and bringing people back into the fold. But we, I think in order to do that, we need to clearly address there's a problem. There's something that's not working right now. What shows up for you in that? You know, if I can say um, a lot of people look at God and the church 
it's sort of like a vending machine. Like I go in, I insert my token, I take out whatever, I, whatever I'm needing. And then when they go to church or they go to God in prayer and they insert their request and it doesn't get answered, as, the, as a restaurant says, your way right away, then they, then they get discouraged and they say, well, I got to go somewhere else to another machine and put in my token and see if I get it my, my way right away. And I think people just are lacking an understanding that to, to be in the church and to have a life of prayer is simply to be with God. We, we pray because we love God. We pray because we want to be with God. We pray because we want to abide with God. Like the, the vine and the branches, abide in me and I in you, or as Father Len said, that, that we may be one with him. You know, we don't go to pray or worship in order to feel good or get a fix. You know, we go there in order to be with God. Um, and we pray to be with God. And I think that, that the world is totally reinforcing, have it your way right away. And we get used to that. And when we don't get it our way, and both the Catholic way and the Orthodox way is, is a, a path, that you, and you have to invest time in it. And, and it's, a, it's a journey. It's not a like one-stop shop. Let's, let's get a quick fix. So yeah. what I'm hearing you say, it's not instant gratification, the church that right. got founded. It's eternal gratification. But that That's takes right. time. And I think the other thing is, is that, you know, with, and when we look at how so much in our society we approach, um, you know, uh, relationships. So put God for aside for a moment. You know, people, you know, a lot of times people don't want to do the hard work that it takes to have a meaningful relationship. They want something, you know, just quick, something that doesn't require much of a commitment, something that isn't going to cramp my style. And, uh, and that's, you know, that's a whole nother show, I guess, uh, about, about that. But that's just with someone who's another human being. We take that and approach it to God to say, well, you know, you really need to fit into my schedule. Uh, and, uh, and my schedule is, okay, this is all the time I have. Or, you know, I need an answer to this now because I need to decide whether I'm going to do this or do that. Uh, you know, we're really imposing ourselves on God in a way. And it's saying, and it's really kind of a, it's a, it's an understanding of God that's really a false God, you know, because it's, it's really putting God aside and putting yourself at the center that somehow, you know, we kind of put ourselves, you know, that what we think we need is more important than what God knows we need. And I think that that's, and I, so I think, I think all those things kind of come together in the way because they're to build any relationship, it takes time, you know, you have to take time and, 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 uh, and to, realize that, you know, um, you know, people think about marriage and, okay, having that perfect moment for wedding, okay, and wedding ceremonies are beautiful, but, you know, that's, you know, this one day of hopefully a lifetime of love, and a lot of days in marriage, you know, there's stuff, it's, it's not exciting stuff, but it's just as important as, as uh, you know, as the exciting stuff, you know, that you're there, you know, in the exciting and in the boring, and the same thing with God, you know, we're not, we're not saying, oh, well, I'm going to be there, God, if it's very exciting, Otherwise, you know, imagine, uh, imagine a spouse saying, you know, to uh, is her husband or wife, you know, uh, well, I'm only going to be home when there's something exciting going on. You know, if there's something boring, then hey, I'm going to go out. Well, that's what kind of relationship is that? Yeah, or the or the uh, the spouse that says, I'll give you a good 45 minutes a week, and then <laughs> that, but that's all. I fit you into that compartment. I mean, you know, no one would accept a relationship like that. But kind of going on the on the relationship and the idea of marriage, 
um, because the, the family unit is foundational to the creation, just like our relationship with God is foundational to the creation of the world. So we've, we're changing the nature of the family when people say, you know, I want to live together, but I don't want to get married because I don't want a commitment. Or I'm married, but I only want to be married as long as it's good for me, and then I want to get out of the marriage. Like, everyone who's a Christian married God through their baptism. I mean, and so this idea of a commitment, when you're committed in marriage, you're for better or for worse, in good times and bad times, you suppress your personal needs for the good of the marriage, and that's what makes a good marriage, and that's what makes a solid family, and that's also what makes a solid Christian when you're married to God through your baptism. I say, I'm I'm with God in good times and bad times, and uh, I'm doing the best for my relationship with God, even though it might not be the best for my, my personal self. And because we're, we're messing with the foundation of the family, it's no wonder that the foundation of Christianity is, is crumbling also. So when I, I hear that, right, I'm hearing that the way we're doing re, uh, relationship with others right now and our relationship with God is on our own terms, right? That's what we want. We want it on our own terms. And it fits in with the instant gratification society or mentality right now in our society. What are we missing out on by trying to get relationships on our own terms, whether it be with others or with God? What are we missing? What's that blind spot that we're not seeing that we may want to take a look at? Well, I think that, you know, that we want stuff on our own terms. That's nothing new. I mean, I want myself on my own terms, you know? I mean, I want, when I get on the road, I want there to be no red lights and no traffic. And, uh, and, and to have that desire, there's nothing, you know, bad in of itself. I think, I think the thing is, as a, you know, hopefully, a, you know, a mature person, I realized I don't always get my way. Uh, that I have to live with other people. There's other people who have to get to places as well. Um, and that it's not just about what I want, you know, uh, and, uh, so, you know, if I'm like, well, I'm, I'm late, I'm driving through a school zone, I'm going to go 15 miles an hour, forget if there's a kid that might be crossing the road, because it's more important for me to get to whatever I need to do than, than the safety of the child in that instance. Those are things, that's obviously an extreme example, but those are things I think that, that, uh, uh, you know, kind of impact our, our, uh, our perspective. So I think our feelings are always going to be there to a certain extent. We want our way. I mean, nobody nobody comes home from work and says, you know what? I really hope the kids are just in a terrible mood today, uh, you know, and that they are, you know, you know, you want. But sometimes that's how it is. And I would say, what I think a big mistake we make in our society, both in our relationship with others and relationship with God, is we connect everything to the uh, to the. Uh, the, the effective aspect, the emotions of it. And really, if we think about it, what is really lasting is when we make that act of will. I'm going to be there for you, good times and bad, sickness and health. I'm, I'm, uh, I had a lousy week this week, but I'm still going uh, to church. You know, um, uh, I, uh, you know, I'm in a rush to get somewhere, but I'm going to respect the traffic laws and so forth. So when we make those act of will, um, and we see if we look in, in the Gospels, we see Jesus, you know, on in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wasn't like, he didn't want to be crucified, right? Uh, he says, you know, is there another way, Father? Let this, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will. And I think that's the thing is, is that's a part I think people don't talk about will and God's will. They talk about, you know, what, what my feelings are. And I think if we 
realize that that's 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 the difference between us and animals is that we have we have free will we have an active will animals certainly you know dog has feelings you know uh, if you kick it every day it's going to be afraid of you when you walk in you know uh, but doesn't have will uh, like a human being does and i think that's something that that we need to talk about more hmm. I, I think a fundamental word, the, the two fundamental words that are missing in our society are intimacy and vulnerability, and they mm. kind of go hand in hand. I mean, I can't be vulnerable with anybody if I don't have basic respect down. I mean, if you want to build a relationship of any kind, you have to have basic respect. And so as Father Len says, like about driving on the road, we don't have basic respect for, you know, people that are existing next to us on the road, in the store, at the bank, at the gas station. If we don't have basic respect, you know, how do you, how do you build anything? And, and in order to have intimacy, you have to have vulnerability. I mean, the greatest intimate act was Jesus Christ dying on the cross for humanity. There's nothing more intimate than saying, I'm willing to die for you. Um, and so we want, we want this, but we're not willing to be vulnerable for it. We don't want to share our secrets. We don't put our, our emotions on the table. We're afraid of putting our emotions on the table because people are going to maybe spread you know gossip about us they're going to laugh at us if we're vulnerable and so if, if we create spaces where it's safe to be vulnerable um then you're going to get the kind of intimacy you want whether it's in a human relationship or a relationship with christ and, and i would add to that i would add to that i think that we have that desire for intimacy and so what happens today so often is that people express their true feelings their vulnerability in anonymous fashion online because they lack it in their lives, in their work lives, their relationship lives, and so forth, because there's no place that afford that they don't express it. And so it comes out in these uh, ways uh, online. Yeah, and it causes a lot of mess sometimes, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm a, I'll speak firsthand, right? Because the past three years, God has just been transforming me from the inside out. And I got to tell you, fathers, it's been painful. And I've been resisting, uh, kicking and screaming the whole way. But he keeps showing me things about me that need to be worked out of me. Uh, character flaws, character defects. And that's not to say that who I am and my identity, there's anything wrong with that. But it's, it's, it's a chipping away process. And I'll give you a for instance. Like a friend of mine challenged me to uh, call up people uh, in my life that I say I care about to call them up every day, right? To uh, call somebody in my, my, one of my friends, one of my family members every day and do nothing more on that call other than check in and just ask them what's going on in your life. I just wanted to call with no motive, no intention. And I'll tell you, it was the most difficult thing to, for me to do. Uh, especially when I got on the phone, because there's always this agenda. There's always this what's in it for me voice in our heads going on. And I was able to do it through a lot of practice. And I do a, a morning walk uh, every day. And I'll, I'll pick up the phone. And I'll just check in with a friend. And it's so difficult for them just to receive love without a motive, without an intention. And it's almost like they're waiting the whole phone call for the shoe to drop. Like, okay, what do you really want? And, and, and when I hang up the phone and I was, and I'm just like, well, listen, thanks for, you know, sharing what's going on in your life. I just wanted to call and check in and I'll talk with you soon. And they're left with this. Wow. Like this person cared. And I'm not saying that to like stroke my ego in any way. I'm just saying that to show how self-centered I was 
in my life, how I, I would say I care about people, I love people, but I actually never took actions to show them, like calling them up to find out how they're doing. What shows up for you in that? <laughs> you know, I tell people that's an interesting question. Um, a lot of people make their, I tell people a lot of people make their living as like professional liars. <laughs> because when we ask the question of how are you, it's usually a very disingenuous question. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if you, if you deal with someone in a retail scenario, you know, so you, you go to the, uh, you go to the store, to the grocery store, and you say to the person that or the, uh, the clerk says to you, how are you doing? You know, that's really kind of a disingenuous question. Because if you say like, you know, what, I just found out I have terminal cancer. <laughs> they're gonna be like, okay, it's a two for one sale, you know, move <laughs> along. Um, and so we don't, and so, the, so we say, you know, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Fine. And it's very like plastic and we never, never go deeper than that. You know, that's so right. the fact that you're calling up someone and saying like, how are you doing? And they're like, what's the catch? Um, because people don't do that. Most of our transactions, most of our conversations are, as you said, transactional. I call them plastic. Um, cause they're, they're disingenuous. They're not, they're not true. And if, and if you ask someone, how are you? And they say, I'm having the worst day ever. Do you say like, okay, stop, let's talk. Or do you say like, okay, I hope it gets better. I got to go. Um, yeah, no, that's very, really well said because when, when I call them father, it's, it's, it happens with every single friend is like, I say, Hey, I just want to call and check in on your life. You know, how are you? Tell me about it. And they go, Oh, I'm, I'm good. Everything's fine. How are you Joseph? And immediately they spin it back. And I have to willfully like father Len said, act of will, say, well, my life is good. However, again, I really want to hear about yours. And then yeah, I see, shut up. And yeah, then that's so uncommon. Yeah. That's so uncommon. I mean, when people are, when people are you, they just, they know that 99% of the time people expect a plastic response. So they just offer one. And we were, we were like conditioned to do that. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I, and then, and then I think people, people, and maybe, maybe I think probably people have had experience where they have shared something uh, you know, with a friend or someone, a family member of their, they started being vulnerable and then they've been shut down. And so then they, they kind of learn, okay, I'm not going to go there anymore. And so I'm just left in my own little world uh, and to try to find some kind of, you know, meaning. I get that. You know, in uh, Sunday school, when I used to teach the eighth graders. I used to say, you know, you're left with you. When you remove God, you're left with you. Why are you, your own universe? And we're all walking around in our own little universes, bumping into each other and saying, stay out of mine. I'll stay out of yours. And we don't have that connection. We don't have that connection with each other. We don't have that connection with God. So let's uh, spin this all the way around. So, you know, you're the pastor, Father Len, of a Roman Catholic church here in Tampa. And Father Stavros, you're the pastor of a Greek Orthodox uh, church also here in Tampa. How did you wrestle with your own personal differences with your uh, the differences in your faith traditions and then how did you take those differences because we all have them we're human like you said father we have our own uh, assumptions we create how did you take those and transition them into uh, community into unity into acceptance of each other of the tradition and with God at the center well I'd speak for myself first I'd say that goes back to something Father Stavros said before in a different context. It starts with respect. 
you know. So before I even met Father Stavros, I had respect for the Eastern uh, churches, for the Orthodox, uh, and uh, and you know. So also uh, and and you know, interest. You know, if, like if you go talk to someone, hope you're not just saying things just to talk to them. You're interested in the other person. So on a larger level. Uh, there is a respect and interest that is there and a desire to learn. Mm -hmm. I know that uh, in learning, uh, because I've obviously read a lot about, you know, the uh, Orthodox Church and so forth, but in having conversations with Father Stavros uh, and some of the things he shared and in our uh, conversations and so forth and time together, you know, I've come to a deeper appreciation, not only of his tradition, but also helps me to look at my tradition and saying, okay, how can I, are there things that, to, to not only understand my tradition a little better in light of, 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 uh, of that other tradition, but also is, are there things there that um, can be reflective in how we express them here, uh, you know, uh, in the Catholic Church of Christ the King. So I think kind of that's where, the, where, where it starts, you know. Mm. I agree. Um, I have great, the two things I want to say. One, I've learned a tremendous amount uh, about myself, my faith, and my own tradition by being with someone from another tradition. There are lots of things I've, I've taken from Father Len and from Catholicism in general. There's, I read a lot of Catholic authors. Um, there's a lot of things that, that, are, that are offered to me personally in my work as a pastor. Um, and, and the other thing is that I know that both traditions have the same endpoint. You know, the means to the end may be slightly different, but the end point is the same. And I think when people agree on the, on the end point, then the things that stand between where you are and the end, the means become like not as, not as significant. And I think one of the problems in Christianity, um, the, the whole Christian church, the 30,000 denominations, is that we don't, there's not agreement on the end point. There are actually Christians that don't agree on the end point. I mean, the Catholics and the Orthodox talk about salvation and Jesus Christ and attaining the kingdom of heaven and, and theosis, deification. There, there are a good number of Christian churches that that's not the end point. In fact, I, I read an article one time that said 80% of Christians believe in the resurrection. And I, and I thought, like, what do the other 20% believe in? Because if you take the resurrection out, I mean, there's nothing left. Um, so I great respect for the Catholic tradition because the, because the end is exactly the same. And I think the thing is, this is, you know, having a conversation with someone that you respect, obviously, uh, um, is not, this is not a competition. This is not like, okay, you know, two opposing sports uh, fans and, you know, my team's better than yours kind of thing. It's, it's not that, it's not that at all. Uh, and obviously, it's much more important than sports, uh, you know, faith. And so, so it's not like, okay, I'm asking this because I really want to show you how I'm actually, we're better than you. That's not how I approach. And I think if we, we approach that conversation, anyone that way, well, you know, that's not going to go really anywhere because you're just really trying to, you know, bat someone over the head and so forth, you know? Mm. Um, and uh, so, so I, I think that that's, that's part of it as well. And then the other thing I say, no, no one's cornered the market on healing the broken humanity. You know, the, the human being is broken, everybody, whatever your tradition is. And so if, if Father Len has ideas on how to deal with the broken human being that can help me deal with my own brokenness and the brokenness of the people I minister to, I mean, I, I welcome that. And I that's awesome. That's right. well said. You know, that's why we call the show Broken Catholic. 
right? Because we're all broken. We're all Catholic, I believe. I say it this way, and this is going to, um, I, I like to play with some of my Protestant friends, and I just say, hey, you know, I know you're Protestant, but, you know, Protestants are just Catholics in denial. You know, that's all, that's all that is, right? And, you know, they, they laugh and, and everything. I'm like, listen, we all worship, as Father Stavros, you're saying, we all worship the same God. We all love our families. We all want heaven, right? And that's enough. Like, that is enough to have a conversation, right? And we don't have to sit there and argue about the differences in our theology, whether they be significant or subtle, right? Let's talk about how do we heal the human brokenness by bringing God into my, our own personal lives and being witnesses, right? Whether it be in the, from the laity or from the clergy. And I think that's a powerful conversation to have. So let me ask you on a personal level, uh, fathers, where and when, not when specifically, but did you ever struggle with that? Like where, with that closed-mindedness that we tend to have, where it's this make wrong, like Father Len, like you said, where I have to make this other tradition wrong in order for me to feel right in, in my tradition, like this one-upping, this debating type of uh, relationship. Have you ever struggled with that? And then how did you transition? Well, I grew up in a family. Uh, my father had been a teacher, and so he encouraged us to, you know, talk about things. Some might say argue about things, uh, and uh, and so so that that it was a large family. So that was common thing around the dinner table, and it wasn't. And obviously, Chris was saying family we didn't hate each other. We might have different perspectives and experiences and opinions and so forth. So. I feel very blessed the family I grew up in uh, in that. So I don't like naturally, my inclination isn't to walk around and point out, okay, you're doing the wrong thing uh, here or, or there, you know. Um, I presume until, unless I see otherwise, I presume a person's sincerity and goodwill. Now, sometimes I encounter that's not there. That's part of the brokenness of humanity. That's part of what, you know, both Father Stavros and I deal with in the in the uh, in the sacrament of reconciliation and so forth, you know. So so, but I think that that um, you know, other times that I've said to say, okay, wait a second, my perspective on this, I'm kind of being you know uh, locked in my box. Sure, you know, uh, and uh, but I try to constantly reflect on, even if at the moment, you know, maybe I could handle that better. Uh, to kind of look at that and say, well, you know, what is it that kept me from? Uh, you know, be locked in my own uh, view or, or didn't allow for the other to enter. Mm. When I grew up, um, I didn't have a, a lot of connection with other traditions. And the thing that really drew me to mind was our liturgical tradition. Um, I loved the liturgy. I loved the vestments. I loved the altar pieces. Um, and from whatever little I knew of the Catholics, I used to think like, well, our vestments are better than theirs <laughs> and our, our censor is better than theirs. And, um, and then in going into the seminary and then going into the ministry and you realize that like the liturgy is the central act that we're doing, but the central work that we're really doing is pastoral in nature. Um, you know, and the, the difficulty of being a priest is the, is the pastoral dimension. Uh, what it's like to sit in the hospital with someone who's dying or sit in the confessional with someone who's pouring their heart out. And, and at that point, you, it goes, you don't think about vestments or censers or, you know, do you sing, 
you know, Gregorian chant or Byzantine chant. It's that you're sitting with someone who is vulnerable, who's scared, who's trying to find Christ. And um, we keep going back to that word broken uh, and the, the real need to minister to that. And so I don't ever think when I'm in a pastoral situation, like, you know, I'm a better pastor than a, than a Catholic. I mean, a pastor is a pastor. The pastor has the heart of Christ and he's a good pastor. And I, and I pray for Father Lynn and, and his pastoral duties. We're, we're, we're probably not going to stand at the altar and commune together in our lifetime. We do stand at the altar together uh, for ecumenical prayer services a couple times a year, which is an awesome thing. I love that. Um, but we stand together always as pastors, and I'm praying for him in his pastoral work. And um, so much respect to anybody who's going who's gonna to preach Christ, and whether they're clergy or laity, anybody who's going to take up the cross and follow, um, much respect to them. Let me speak to this just for a second. BC Nation, Broken Catholic Nation. The reason why I invited Father Len and Father Stavros onto the show is because they really witness out in the world with two different faith traditions how they can come together as one and worship the one true God without the differences but just focused on the commonality, as they say, the end goal. And that is such a witness to us as laity, you know, out in the world to look at our own selves and to say, where am I, you know, pushing people away and separating myself, cutting myself off from when I can be and should be uh, really bringing people closer to me, being vulnerable, being intimate and, and letting them in and letting them see my brokenness. So Broken uh, Catholic Nation, I, I challenge you, let people in, share your stories. And, and Father Len brought this up. Yes, maybe you've been burnt in the past where you shared your vulnerability with the wrong person and, and it didn't go well, but take a chance again, right? And always share your brokenness with God, right? Go to God, your father. He's a father. He loves you. He already sees it. He's been with you through it all. He's cried with you, laughed with you, right? Grieved with you. And it's like, bring it to him. And just say, you know, Lord, I'm broken. I don't know what to do. You take this, right? I don't, I don't know what to do with this. You take it. And, and, and do the same with others. Like, ask for help. It's, it's huge. So, fathers, let me ask you this. I think it's very human to experience a crisis of faith. What do you want to say right now to the person who's listening, who has given up on God in their life, given up on hope, given up on happiness, the hope of happiness. What do you want to say to them right now? Because that is all over the place. You see it in the media everywhere, people just ending their lives. It's sad, it's tragic, and it makes God grieve. What do you want to say to that person listening right now? <laughs> um, where there is God, there's always hope. Um, if, if God is a, a forgiving God and embracing God, he never gives up on us. We could be in the darkest corner and we can still have access to his love. There's no one that God says, no, there's no hope for you. As long as we're alive and breathing, there's hope for us. I mean, if there's someone out there who feels like they have no hope, um, I, I, there's, a, there's a movie that was put out a few years ago called To Save a Life. And um, it was put out by a, by a Protestant group. It was, it was very good. Um, there's a scene in the movie where the, the main character gets on his knees and he's never, um, never said a real prayer. And his prayer comes out very muddled. But there was a line of the prayer that I'll, I'll never forget. It said, give me the strength to know what's right. 
mm. and just put put it out there and just said, I really don't know what's right, but just give me the strength and the wisdom and know what's right. And so if there's someone who really has no hope, I mean, get on their, get on your knees and pray to God, just give me the strength to go another day, bring someone into my path. That's going to help get me out of this. Uh, and then go to your local church, your local pastor. and just saying, I'm not here for anything specific. Just pray with me. Just be with me. Um, find people that can pray with you and just be, be with you. No, uh, no vending machine agenda. Like I'm going to put in this and expect this. Just be with me. Just lift me up. Encourage me. Um, and and I would encourage people listening to this. Be encouragers. There's a lot of people, as you said, Joseph, that feel like they have no help, no hope, no help, no future. Um, encouragement is something that we can all give. You don't have to have a college degree. You don't have to have accomplishments. Everyone is capable of giving encouragement to other people. And so look for the people who need it. And even the people who don't, because we all need it. Um, be an encourager. Everyone be an encourager. Well said, Father. Father, I don't, I don't think I can say it much better than that. Uh, I would just add to everything that Father Stavros said is maybe a little bit of a practical connect to the spiritual is look in your life and see what are the things you give time to? What are the things you give time to? Uh, and if the time is spent in idle entertainment, uh, the time is spent in, you know, pointless relationships, the time is spent in useless endeavors, uh, maybe cut back some of that and give time to God. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to, you know, the, the, the sky is going to open, but give time, some time to God. When you start giving time to God, when you've got that in, he can do so much. If you don't give God the in, you know, God's not going to, he's not going to take away our will, but you know, crack the door a little bit. Let, let the light of God's love in your life and then let God do his work. I love it. BC you know, Nation, I, listen, listen to Father like, Len right there, you know, stop binge watching on Netflix, <laughs> start binge listening with God. See what he wants to say about your life. Father Stavros, go ahead. You know, everybody, even though we live in a society of instant gratification, we've all done long-term things. Like many of us graduated from high school. That took four years. You graduated from college and that took four years. I mean, we've all done things where you didn't get instant gratification. And so if you took like a, a, a glimpse into your four years of high school and you just dropped in on a 30-second or one-day experience, it might have been the worst day ever. You know, if everyone isolated on their worst day in high school, none of us would be here, you know, but so you, you tell people like, go to something experience you've already had. You've had a four year experience of being in high school. You survived the whole thing. One particular day might, might've been awful, but you do the whole thing and then there's success. And so you, you look at life the same way, you know, if, if today is the worst day of your life, it's a day of your life, you know, mm -hmm. look at the whole thing. We, we've all done long-term things. That's so, awesome. You know, Christianity is a long-term journey. Don't, don't judge it by one day, one bad day, one bad week. All right. Good advice. So we're going to wrap it up here. So we're listening right now, BC Nation, to Father Len, who is the pastor of Christ the King Catholic Church here in Tampa, Florida, and Father Stavros, who is the pastor of St. John the Baptist uh, Greek Orthodox Church in Tampa, Florida. Both uh, brothers in Christ, both good friends, and both shepherds to their flock, all headed in the same direction. So fathers, this is my favorite part of the show. I've always wanted to do this. You're my first priest on the show. So welcome to the confession round. 
This is, <laughs> this, is, this is where I'm going to ask each of you 12 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. They're just for fun. Don't overthink it. First thing that comes to you, are you ready? Ready. All right. And we'll just go back and forth tag team. So whoever <laughs> goes first, okay? Uh, Father Stavros, what's your favorite sound? Uh, waterfall. Father Lem. Uh, lightning scoring a goal. <laughs> what's your least favorite sound? Father Stavros. Uh, the drill at the dentist. Oh, uh, uh, I would go with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> no piggybacking. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll let you go off the hook with that one. When you were a child, what did you want to be when you grew up, Father Len? Uh, Superman. Father Stavros? Uh, astronaut. Father Len, what are you most afraid of? Um, uh, rats. Father Stavros. Doctor. Say again? Needles at the doctor's office. Needles at the doctor. Father Stavros, what did you spend way too much time doing in your 20s? Uh, eating. Father Len. Uh, seminary. <laughs> <laughs> Father Stavros, what secret fear do you have about God? Um, that he's not going to let me into his kingdom. Got it, Father Len. Uh, that I'm not doing his will. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God, Father Len? Uh, that uh, he's bigger than I thought he was. Nice. Father Stavros. How to pray. Father Stavros, what is a new habit you want to form? Um, staying uh, more with an exercise routine. Father Len. Uh, getting back on my bike. Father Stavros, what's a bad habit you want to break? Um, wow. Um, e eating too much dessert. <laughs> Father Len. Uh, doing, uh, doing online shows. <laughs> <laughs> a wise guy. Father Len, pick three words to describe who you are now. Three words? Um, uh, Roman Catholic priest. <laughs> <laughs> that was, all right, all right. Father, Father Stavros. Um, no piggybacking. No piggybacking. Uh, husband, father, priest. I, and I, I, on another note, I'm approachable and uh, real. Got it. Father Stavros, pick three words to describe who you were before you experienced God in your own life. Um, uh, lost, um, angry, and um, yeah, lost and angry. Got it. Father Len? Uh, shy, uncertain, judgmental. Got it. Father Len, imagine sometime in the distant future, and there you are standing in front of your tombstone. Read to us what it says on it. It says, um, a, the grandson of immigrants, a native of Florida, and a priest of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Love it. Father Stavros. Um, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Amen. And last question, Father Stavros, if you could come back to life after you died, and tell your family and friends and parishioners, your flock, only one piece of advice. What would you say to them? Um, uh, stay with God. Stay with God. Keep fighting the good fight. Got it. Father Len, what would you say to them? Uh, similarly, stay faithful. Stay close to God. Stay close to his church. Awesome. 
All right, Father, uh, so BC Nation, we've been joined by Father Len and Father Stavros, a Greek Orthodox priest, a Roman Catholic priest, friends, brothers, and uh, all around amazing uh, godly men. So fathers, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for standing for unifying Christians everywhere and joining in that fight and ending the divisiveness that keeps us all separate and alone. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. Um, absolutely. We wish you the love, forgiveness, and transformation of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. BC Nation, we exceeded our six-month goal. We now have listeners in over 34 countries and counting. Praise God. I want to reach 60 countries with God's word, with God's message, with shows like this, with priests coming on the show and talking about some of their personal struggles, right? Because it's easy from the pews to see, you know, where we're struggling in our life. But what's it like, you know, from the pulpit? So I want to talk about that. So join me in that. Go to brokencatholic.com, support the show, become a patron. Um, That's brokencatholic.com. I'm Joseph Warren, and you were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day, and I'll see you right back here next week. God bless you.